0: this is chess Griffin and welcome back to Linux reality this is episode number 43 and I guess I'll call it welcome back or happy New year uh, man it's great to be back and you probably noticed right off the bat that I've got some new music and I'm gonna have some new music kind of throughout the entire episode here and uh, you know bring in, uh, b- bring in some new music with the new year I thought it might be might be high time plus the other thing is um, this all this music that I've that I've got tonight, um, tonight I say tonight I'm recording it at nighttime. Who knows when you're listening to it? But anyway, uh, all the music that I've got is Creative Commons music, and I think most of it was before. Uh, but I can't, you know, I think there was one or two, especially that last song, that closing song, song "Sandaway," which is a great tune, uh, and the band. I had contacted the band, and they let me play the song, no problem but it was not a creative commons licensed song so i really wanted to try to keep everything creative commons um uh, you know just to kind of promote that and to promote new bands and and that kind of thing so i don't know we'll see how it goes uh you know like i said just let me know what you think about this new music it shouldn't be too different but uh i'll put links to all the bands and show notes and you know in the show notes and all that kind of stuff so so you'll get to you know find out a little bit about them uh, so let's see. This week, I think what I'm going to do uh, with this first episode is kind of talk about some things I've been doing. Uh, just you know, kind of give you some some updates on some various projects and things that I've been working on. Uh, lots of different things I've got to talk about. And I've got more too, so I'll kind of save some for future episodes. But there's been a, a few things I've worked on that are kind of cool that I thought I'd pass along. Uh, and then after that, I'm going to get to a bunch of uh, feedback. I've got I've got so many emails over the last month. It's unbelievable. Way more. Than normal, I guess. I think a lot of it was because of the sort of the the, the project donation drive, if if you will. But I don't get to that in a minute. But um, so I, I did want to get to some emails. I'm going to save some and and hopefully get to some more over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and all of these are written emails. You know, they were regular emails rather than than. Uh, recorded comments, so uh, please, you know, I do encourage folks to send in the recorded bits just because I think that's so much more fun than, than me reading emails, but I got some really cool emails that I wanted to read, so that's, that's why I want to get to those, so let's do that now. Okay, let's see. The first thing I wanted to talk about was the, um, the project donation page that I had put up and as of the end of the year, I'm actually recording this New Year's Eve, So, um, and as of tonight, I think there were 25 different projects, and that's just incredible. I mean, the variety of projects, it's so cool to see what everybody did and the 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 amount of the donations you know i I'd said i wouldn't I wasn't going to put up any numbers, and I'm not going to, but it was just a lot more than I anticipated. You all were very generous to these projects, and there' was probably many others that folks just you know forgot to let me know about or whatever. but I just think that's so cool, and it just shows the generosity of everybody, um, you know especially at this time of year, because you know these projects need our help, and uh, you know there's always a lot of talk about open source as to whether or not, you know, it's, it's viable, whether or not someone can make a living at it or not. And, you know, a lot of these projects I think depend on donations. And so I thank you for doing that and for sending those donations along. I'm sure that those projects uh, really appreciated that. Uh, That's just so awesome uh, to to see. And speaking of those donations, I had, you know, um, sent out CDs to people who had contributed uh, something of fifteen dollars or more, and and I sent out a lot of CDs, which was great because there were repeats. You know, some of the projects on there were contributed to by more than one person, but there were a couple people I think towards the end of the month that had contacted me, uh, and I had said I would send them a CD. And just with the Christmas and the New Year's and everything, you know, some of that has slipped through the cracks. So I apologize if you have not received your CD by now. And if we've talked, you know, by email, if we've communicated about it and you haven't received it, let me know. Please drop me a line and just remind me, just just ping me, and I'll get it right out to you after the first of the year. So I do apologize about that. I want to make sure I get them all out because that's, that's the smallest thing I can do. I mean, it's nothing for me to send out one of those CDs, and it's, I really wanted to encourage everyone to uh, make those donations. So let me know if you haven't received a CD, and I'll get it right out to you. All right, let's see. Uh, got several things to talk about, several kind of cool things. The first two about Debian and, uh, uh, Debian, you know, is, as I, I've mentioned before, is one of the sort of the three distributions that I tend to use along with Slackware and Arch Linux. And Debian, I've, I've installed Debian on two different systems now. First of all, I did a, a Debian etch install. Etch is sort of the, you know, what's going to be the next release and the, it, it should be, Uh, coming out soon. I think Etch was supposed to come out in early December. I think December 4th is what comes to mind, Uh, but they've been delayed a few weeks, and so probably sometime in the next month or two, Etch will be released. But if you go to the Debian homepage, and you have to kind of dig around to find this, but you can find Daily Builds, of their net install cd which is a sort of a single cd it's a slim uh, installation just kind of the bare bones to get you started and then the rest of it's all done over over the internet so obviously you need a good broadband connection to be able to install debian that way but the net install is a great way to install debian that's what i that's the way i always install it and uh, so anyway i installed etch on uh, on a system and it works really well i'm very pleased with it Uh, very surprised at how I guess I shouldn't be surprised it is Debian, but it just really is is great and um uh you know this is I actually put it on my laptop this is the same laptop that I've got Ubuntu on and i've i mentioned in in November and and i guess maybe some of the episodes in december but uh, but about uh some of the suspend issues I've been having with Ubuntu you know it works, but I have to kind of tweak it a little bit and uh but anyway, in debian etch it worked pretty well i I had to struggle with it a little bit I had to. You know they've got they I think what they I think what Debian has done is they've taken some scripts from Ubuntu some of their um, ACPI and 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 shutdown you know, hibernation type scripts and they work okay and I had to kind of tweak them a little bit and you know do some do some try out some different variations they have various ways of setting your suspend and your hibernation they have a, a package called Hibernate I think that you that you can get apt-get and it helps with the suspend and with the hibernation. And, you know, but other than that, um, everything was great. The cool thing about it is that, you know, I could get my widescreen resolution very efficiently, very easily, just downloading one package, and it it just did it for me. I didn't even have to create a sim link for it for the 915 resolution package and just all kinds of little things. And uh, by default, it installs the uh, GNOME desktop, and the it looks fantastic. The GDM login looks really nice and the Gnome desktop. All of it's sort of Debian themed with the Debian swirl. And it and it really is shaping up to be just a fantastic release. So You know, hats off to the Debian developers. I think, I think they've got another real winner on their hands. I guess the only downside to the GNOME install is that if you like GNOME, you know, the current version is 2.16 and Debian etch is going to ship with 2.14. And I do think GNOME had some speed improvements in 2.16. So it's too bad that they didn't, they weren't able to get 2.16 in etch. But something I came across, a blog post by one of the GNOME devs somewhere said, I think they're going to try to get 2.16 backported to etch as soon as, as soon as they can. So I don't know, hopefully, hopefully that will be the case. Uh, but it's worked really well. And then the other system that I installed Debian on, this is kind of cool. And I want to talk about this for a few minutes. Uh, one of my, uh, Christmas presents was a, uh, Linksys NSLU2. (laughs) Uh, they call it the slug. It's a $80, um, it's a, it's a little hub. It's a, um it's a, the idea is it's supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be able to connect a couple of USB hard drives and basically serve files over your, your LAN. And, uh, and, and, but it's all, but the, but the processor and the, and the whole system is open source. And so there's this, this is whole Linux community that's grown up around it about providing alternative firmwares, kind of like the Linksys Router, you know, the open source router, which I have one of those as well, where you can get an open source uh, firmware for. It. Well, they've done the same thing with this, with this NS, uh, NSLU, NSLU2 product, the Slug. And, but what's cool is they have regular, they have all different kinds of firmwares, but they also have Debian. Um, Debian has an official port. It's a Debian ARM because it uses the ARM processor. And in fact, I saw several places that said it's, that, this, that this installation is now the third most popular version of Debian, which I thought was amazing. But this Lynx, this little Lynx box, man, it's cool. It's tiny. It's light. It's, it's completely silent. I mean, there's no moving parts. It's just a solid state, you know, circuit board inside. And you can install Debian onto a USB flash drive in one of the USB ports, or of course you can have a USB hard disk. And, uh, with, of course, if you install Debian, then you've got, Regular Debian. I mean, it's, it's Debian Edge, and so you can apt get and install whatever you want. And there's people out there that run web servers off it, FTP servers. What I'm going to do is I've got, I've already installed Debian on it, and it worked really well. It took forever. It takes like three hours to install Debian on this thing, just because it's kind of slow, but you know, that's fine. I just kind of set it overnight. But um, I'm going to use it as a print server running cups and as a music file server, uh, you, you know, using one of the. One of the um, music player daemons or something like that. You know, I'm going to p- play around with that, and I'm also going to use it as a file server. Uh, and there's, like I said, there's people running, there's people running asterisk on this thing, and uh, all different kinds of stuff. Uh, so I'll put a link in the show notes to the to the uh, nslu2-linux uh, website where they've got all the different firmwares, not just Debian. Uh, and there's a fantastic um, website that that has a real easy Walk through on how to install Debian on this thing. And like I said, it's 80 bucks. It's just, it's just really cool. And right now, I have Debian running off of a USB stick on this thing, so it's completely silent, no moving parts. Now, obviously, the flash, you know, running a, an operating system off a flash drive, a USB flash drive, is probably not the best thing to do. It probably won't last very long. But what I'm going to do is, I'm going to, um, since I'm going to use it as a music and a file server, I am going to have some hard drives attached to it, some USB drives. So I think what I'll do is I'll move the swap over to one of the USB drives, so at least it doesn't, because it uses the swap. I've noticed, you know, I have swap set up on my on my regular systems, and I've got so much memory in in my regular systems that it doesn't ever hardly use the swap. But this thing does, so I'm going to move the swap file over to the USB drive and maybe do some other things, maybe the temp temp partition or something. So I don't know, we'll have to see, but... Uh, and that's not maybe a long term solution, maybe long term, I'll, I'll end up installing Debian onto one of the flash, un, excuse me, onto the one of the USB drives. But I just wanted to mention that because, you know, it's just really cool hats off to those developers, because clearly they're putting a lot of work into it. And at least Debian, the least it works fantastic on this little thing. It's just so cool. It's just sitting in my closet. It's completely silent and it's, and is you know, it's running Debian, Debian etch on it. It's just kind of neat. Um, let's see. Another thing I wanted to mention was I've been using parallels. I did an episode on virtualization and I had said that I think I said at the time that I had, I've, you know, I've used VMware many times in the past and, um, Oh, gosh, I can't even remember now some of the other virtualization stuff. Of course, like the crossover and all that kind of stuff. I've used all all those products, but I've never used Parallels. But I ended up buying a license for Parallels. It's like $50 or $40 or something uh, for a variety of reasons. One is, of course, I just like to install distributions, especially part of this podcast. Secondly, I've been... Um, doing some some Slack build scripts for Slackware. I mentioned that in the Slackware special episode. And in order to do that, I like to have sort of a clean room environment, you know, a, a clean installation of Slackware. And I can do that, of course, with a virtual machine very easily and, uh, and just for a couple other reasons. So I bought a thing of, of a copy of Parallels, and uh, I've got it running both on Arch Linux and Slackware, you know, as the host OS, and it works fantastically well except for one problem – for some reason it can't, it does not recognize my cd rom you know that's in the computer so in other words if i if i create a new virtual machine and i want to boot you know uh, a debian installation cd or something it it won't recognize the cd so it keeps saying you know no boot device or something and uh the the solution is just to uh point in the configuration of parallels you can you can point uh to to a file that you want to serve as the CD-ROM instead of the CD-ROM itself, so I just point it to the ISO, and it just will, you know, it'll just kind of boot from the ISO, if you will, and that works fine. So I'm able to do it, but it's kind of still kind of a pain. It'd be nice to be able to recognize the CD-ROM. I went to the parallels forums and browsed around, and there were other people having the same problem, but no real solutions, you know, figures. But uh, I'll keep you ta- I'll keep you posted on that if I find any fixes. And if y'all, if anybody out there knows of a fix to that, please let me know. I'm running the latest version of Parallels. In fact, I just ran it yesterday and ran the update, so it's it's updated. Uh, but uh, it still has this problem, so I don't know what, what the deal is. Uh, but anyway, if you're thinking about Parallels, I definitely highly recommend it. It is working really well. I have not installed Windows. I don't really plan to. I don't need to. Uh, I don't know if you can hear those. I don't know if you can hear that noise or not. Those are fireworks <laughs> going off outside my house course uh, i should i guess i shouldn't have uh started recording on new year's eve it's only eight o'clock we've still got like four hours until midnight so i'm surprised people are getting a head start but anyway um so that's parallels the other thing i want another thing i wanted to talk about was kde and amarok uh i've mentioned in the past that i haven't used kde kde all that much i started off using kde early in my linux days uh kde two point something and uh I loved it, you know, I I didn't really care for GNOME at the time, or I didn't use any of the other alternative window managers, but then somewhere along the way, I don't know, I just stopped using KDE, I don't really have anything against it, I just, I don't know why, I just stopped using it, and so I've never really, I I check back on it from time to time, uh, but I never really stuck with it, and I end up using XFCE or Fluxbox, or if I'm going to use a regular desktop environment, it'll be GNOME, but... Um, I've been trying to use KDE over this past week, and I like it a lot. It's 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 you know, it's still not. I don't know if it's still quite there for me. If it's still if it's just clicking, I think it's just a, a matter of just a fit more than anything else. Because you could do anything in KDE. I mean, I themed it. I did all kinds of stuff. Although interestingly enough, I even popped onto IRC a couple places and asked people about this. Here's one thing I couldn't figure out how to do in KDE, and that is how to change the color. Of the minimized windows in the taskbar, um, so you know you 've got a window open and you minimize it into the taskbar, and there 's like a you know like a button if you will, in the taskbar representing that minimized window and there 's text on that button in the taskbar and i don 't know how to change the color of that text, and I think someone pointed me to a um, thread over at the KDE website in their mailing lists from just like two weeks ago, and a KDE developer said, yeah, you can't change that. Uh, so anyway, but uh, but I did get a chance to really try Amarok, and I can see why people like Amarok, because that is a fantastic music player and podcatcher and, and everything else. It was really nice. That's definitely one of the biggest pluses, at least for me, um, for KDE. I like conquer too. conquer is a, is a great file manager. Uh, but Amarok really is, is fantastic. Uh, but what was interesting was I was using Amarok, you know, I've been using it for the last few days now and, uh, really putting it through its paces. I've got all my music in there. I've got all my podcasts set up, even though I still use bash Potter uh, and I always will. I just love bash Potter. Uh, but, uh, I was using Amarok and it was working just fine. Mounting my little iAudio player, no problems. And it, it really worked great. Uh, but I, then I came across a GTK Plus port of Amarok, and it's called Exale, and it's, it's, it's spelled E-X-A-I-L-E. Um, so it's not exhale, like breathing out, but it's exhale, I don't know. But uh, it's a basically a GTK Plus port of Amarok. And it doesn't have nearly all the features that Amrock does. For example, it doesn't have the the Magnatune store in there. It doesn't have you know how in Amrock that first tab kind of gives you like an overview of everything and it kind of lists your 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 most recent albums and your most recent podcasts and all that. It doesn't have that, at least as far as I could tell. It doesn't have a way. It has uh, podcast support uh, in the same place that it is in in Amrock, but unlike Amrock, you can't change. You can't like set per podcast settings. You know, some podcasts you might want to have updated, you know, once a day and other ones once a week. And some of them you may want to keep the last 10 episodes and the other ones just one episode or whatever. You have all those various settings in Amarok and that's not there in Excel. So, you know, it's far behind uh, the current version of Amarok, but it's still kind of cool to see. You know, I always like to keep my eye out for GTK uh, applications just because I like, you know, GTK applications so much. So, I thought I'd pass that along for people who weren't aware of that, and let's see I've got I mean, I've got so many other things to talk about, so many other things I've done, and um, uh, books that I've gotten that I've been reading that I want to talk about, but I will save those for future episodes because you know there's you know there's a lot to, lot to go around, so I think with that, let's get to some listener feedback. Okay, first one here is from Ted. And Ted says, actually, the reason I'm reading Ted's is because he's got a site I wanted to mention. And Ted says, first off, I'd like to say I love your show. I wouldn't consider myself a new Linux user, but I still enjoy listening to your podcast above almost any other podcast that I listen to. You've inspired me to be a bit more proactive in the Linux community. And since I'm a network administrator by profession, I have gone and created a website that I host myself from home on a Linux machine. The address is linuxsystemadmin.org. And I'll put a link in the show notes. Um and he just wanted to get his get that address out. He asked me to kind of mention on the show and let people know about it. And he says he's um in the future he's hoping to start a podcast for Linux system administrators. Uh so I thought that was really cool. So uh good luck, Ted. And you know, if you do get that podcast going, please let me know and I'll be happy to mention it here on the show. And if you got a promo, I'll be happy to play because you know, I just think there's there's plenty of room for great Linux podcasts. So uh thanks for sending that along, Ted. Next one here is from Jerome, and Jerome says uh, uh, he, he says he wanted to uh, I want to say thank you for all the hard work you have put into Linux Reality. I took the podcast from episode one as somewhat interested in Linux. I had installed Red Hat a few years back, but never had the time to look too deep into it. Today, I just finished setting up a virtual Ubuntu lamp server in VMware on my laptop, running Ubuntu. This shows how far I have gone in just one year, and essentially thanks to you. I still have a, I still have a double boot, as some programs I use at work are exclusively under Windows, but I should be able to get rid of it soon, or change work. <laughs> um, and he says, for Christmas, I have bought, for two of my kids, ages 6 and 10, uh, and he says, I mean Santa has, two used laptops on which I have installed EduBuntu, and I am in the process of setting up a proxy server at home for parental control. Any help on that is very welcome. I would, uh, I would never have been able to do all this without Linux Reality. I have thoroughly appreciated the weekly dosage that gave me enough time to test things out. I installed PC Linux OS, SUSE, and settled for the latest Ubuntu. The podcast gives enough information to get things going easily, but leaves a fair bit for the user to research. This, to me, is a key element in learning and going forward. Once again, thank you and have a great festive season. From Jerome. Well Jerome man that is just a great email and I'm so that's just so cool that you're you know that you're getting your kids involved uh, or I should say Santa is getting your kids involved. I actually responded to Jerome and I said, "Well of course, you know, Santa, I mean, his Santa's workshop has got to be running Linux, obviously. I mean, what other kind of operating system can scale to that kind of production?" But anyway, uh thanks Jerome. I think that's a great email and it's just really cool to see, you know, I get these emails from folks who are just it's just really gratifying. And, uh, it's just so cool to know that this little podcast has helped out in just, you know, you, just a small way of, of, uh, helping people discover Linux. So thank you very much, Jerome. Uh, then I got an email here from Bob and Bob says, uh, I've listened to nearly all the podcasts you produced in 2006, but this is the first time I'm writing feedback. My laziness, I guess. I love Linux reality. I have used various Linux distros starting with Slackware way back in 1996. It was much more challenging 10 years ago, but it became an obsession. Difficulties in doing things and generally being my worst enemy, really messing things up, caused me to go back, egads, to Windows for a time, but Windows rot became excessive. Ubuntu is now my distro of choice, and I only use XP at work because my employer forces me to do so. Oh, I hear you there. (laughs) Uh, While I do a lot of traveling on the road each month, I enjoy listening to Linux reality while I'm driving. I listen for hours. I'd say I'm an average or intermediate level user, and I learn all kinds of neat stuff while listening to your show. Uh, I hope you and your family have a wonderful Christmas holiday and a happy new year, and he just says, looks forward to next year's show. Uh, Bob, oh, and this is, this was an idea that Bob had. Um, P.S., something I thought of for next year. How about creating an online poll of about five topics at a time, perhaps bimonthly or quarterly, and then based on the poll results, produce show topics that appeal to most of your listeners? It may even provide an opportunity to solicit a volunteer to guest host the topic at the same time. Well, Bob, first of all, thanks for that uh, email. Uh, that's just that's amazing to think that I mean you started ten years ago with Slackware, which is way before I started, and uh, you 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 consider yourself an average or intermediate level user, and that you're learning stuff from this show. And I I just think that's amazing. I that's I find it hard to believe, you know uh, that that people who have more experience than I. Are able to get something from the show, but I get emails like this all the time from people who 've been using Linux for a long time and uh, you know i guess there's little I guess there 's little tidbits there for, you know for everybody and that 's just that 's really cool uh, and Bob, I think your idea of doing a poll is a good one i don 't know if, if it'll actually be a poll, but you know I definitely want to get input from folks on topics and I had mentioned in in you know in November before I kind of took my little leave that uh, I definitely am looking for folks to, you know, possibly submit topics. I mean, actual content, you know, audio, you know, recorded content, sort of be a guest host, if you will. I guess my idea would be I would still sort of introduce the show and close it up and all that kind of stuff, but the meat in the middle would come from somebody else. And so if there's somebody out there who's got some, you know, some expertise in an area or or feels confident to be able to talk about it, just drop me a line and we can kind of work out the details and that sort of thing. So. Uh, Thank you so much, Bob. That's a great email. And let's see here. We've got an email here from uh, Dave. And Dave, actually, this is something I want people to listen to because he has a little bit of an issue here that I think maybe we can help him with. Uh, Dave says I just started listening to the Linux Reality Podcast. I have been using PC since the VIC 20, Commodore 64, Apple II, and XP. For many years, I've been using versions of the Microsoft OS, DOS, Windows 3.1, 95, 98, 2000, XP. Every couple of years, I try using various flavors of Linux. I always have been disappointed. I mainly use my computer as a media center with secondary usage of web browsing. I like to stream audio, usually Windows Media format. I automatically record the audio with a program called Total Recorder, which steps between the stream and the physical sound card so it can capture streams. My streams are recorded with scheduled events so they can be done unattended. I also use the computer to record video with Sage TV. Sage TV does have a version that works with Linux, but I haven't tried it yet. In general, when I've tried using Linux, I have found it to be very user unfriendly and clunky. The desktop does not ever seem to be as refined as Microsoft Windows. Although under the hood, Linux is probably far superior. However, from the usability from usability, Linux seems to be very cumbersome. Uh, Over many years it seems that the Linux desktop is getting more refined, although the last time I tried it it was still clunky. A simple thing such as a screen resize is very hard to change in Linux and is simple in Windows. Do you know of a flavor of Linux that might be more compatible with multimedia streaming and has the desktop usability similar to Microsoft Windows? Thank you for your podcast. I've only listened to a few of the podcasts so far and have a long way to catch up to your current podcast. From Dave. Uh, Well, Dave, uh, I don't know if you're caught up yet by the time you'll hear this, but maybe you will eventually. Um, I I hear you what you're saying on the Linux desktop being unfriendly and clunky. You know, there's... You know there's certainly elements where the Linux desktop is behind windows i mean it's you know it 's hard when you when you 're competing against a company that has basically you know and you know uh, an infinite supply of money and and people to put to it and whereas with Linux and open source and desktop environments it's generally volunteers working on their own free time so you know that is that it's you know it's an uneven playing field and that's so some of the differences in results i think are are to be expected but um but you're right and it is so you know that is that is a factor i do think it's gotten a lot better believe me when i i haven't been using linux that long you know basically since 2001 and when i first started using linux it was much clunkier than it is now uh it you know at the time it just it it was just difficult to do and now i really feel like it's come a long long way specifically about your questions i would try Three, three different distributions. I would try Ubuntu. I would definitely, I always recommend Ubuntu. Uh, I would try, or, or Kubuntu, one of the two, or PC Linux OS, or perhaps Memphis. Um PC Linux OS and Mepis are two distributions that I think, last time I checked at least, provided you with all the codecs you would need to view all kinds of media. So you wouldn't have to worry about installing any of that proprietary stuff after the fact. Ubuntu does not, although there's a bazillion guides and tools to help you do that. So it's very easy to enable with Ubuntu, but it's just not there automatically. Uh, so th- that's as far as the streaming goes. Now, uh, you know, you talked about capturing streams. There's plenty of tools in Linux that 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 do that does that. I haven't spent a long time so I've tried it. I think StreamRipper may be one, and I'm sure there's many others. With the TV, of course, Myth TV is is sort of the preeminent um, TV recording uh, program it 's far superior than anything in Windows, I think because it can do just so much uh, myth TV is just it 's just an amazing project and it was great to see some people contributing to Not Myth and some other projects um, in the two thousand and six project donations thing but uh, so check out Myth TV uh, check out those three distributions and uh, a, a stream Ripper I think is the one for the audio ripping. Although, uh, if anybody has any any uh, thoughts on that, feel free to post in the forums to this to the you know notes to this episode or the comments to this episode. But um, Dave, just hang in there. You know, I I definitely recommend um, you know checking it out from time to time. If it's still not there for you, you know, from a refinement level, just you know give it some time and check back from time to time, just like you have been doing. That's really all I ask. And I think that's I think with time you'll find that. That the um, that the refinement has is there. Uh, so, thank you very much, Dave. And let's see. Ah, my mouth is going dry here. Sorry about that. Last one is from Lance, and Lance says, "Hi, Chess. I want to congratulate you on a fantastic podcast. Very professional, tasteful, and informative. I've used Linux on and off for over six years. My first installation on a dual boot was Mandrake XX. Can't remember what version." I can say that there have been numerous topics on each podcast that have been helpful for me for home usage as well as my work-related computing. I hope all is well and that the podcast continues to grow a strong fan/slash listener base. Have a great holiday and best wishes to the entire to the entire family. And that's from Lance. And he says, by the way, my five-year-old and one year old son love to Linux love to listen to the podcast with me during our morning commute to work and dropping them off at school, respectively. Uh, oh, thanks, Lance. You know, those are about the same ages as my kids. Um, I've got about a five and a half year old and a one and a half year old, and I force them to listen to the podcast, even if they don't want to. My five year old usually wants to listen to some, you know, kids music. He's really big into Lori Berkner. I don't, you know, parents of young kids probably know who I'm talking about. Uh, but, uh, I usually make them suffer through some podcasts, uh, in the morning. Um, usually mine, uh, just cause I want to listen to it before I put it up there to make sure it sounds okay. Uh, but Lance, I hear you and, uh, I appreciate the, uh, the kind words and I'm really glad that, that the, uh, that the podcast has been helpful to you and that you, that you're enjoying it. And it's great that you're getting your kids to listen to it because, you know, we got to start early. We got to get these kids started on Linux early, and and realizing the the importance of open source and community and and all that kind of stuff. So I know that's those are things that I, that honestly I've started to talk to at least my five and a half year old about. We have not given him a computer, and I don't know when we will. It's, it'll probably be a while, but um, you know he uses he kind of shares my computer. But, um, and he, he sometimes gets on my wife's Macintosh, but, you know, I've talked to him about it and he understands it, I think, as far as he, you know, as far as a five and a half year old can. So, uh, you know, that's, that's neat. So thank you very much, Lance. And thanks to everybody else. I've got lots and lots and lots of emails from people over the last month that I'll try to fit some in, you know, what's interesting. Um, and I won't read this one, but I got an email from somebody who works at Microsoft and uh, I mean, it was a very nice email and just you know, congratulating me on the show. And so they listened to it and they liked it and uh, you know, and wishing me luck kind of a thing. I just thought it was kind of, kind of interesting. So (laughs) uh, who knows? You never know who's listening. That's, that's for sure. I have figured that out and uh, that's definitely the case. So, all right, enough of my babbling. I think it's time to uh, wrap it up for this week and we'll be back next week. You know, same time, uh, same bat channel. So hang in there. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, that's going to do it for this week, I think. And uh, thanks so much uh, to all you guys for staying subscribed. I couldn't believe how, how everybody stayed subscribed. I mean, I can see the numbers, and it didn't change at all. In fact, it kept going up. I think is people find the podcast, so thank you for that. And I, I you know, um, I just I, I really thank you so much for all the emails and all the kind words that people have sent me during the month of December when I was off, wishing me, you know, um, happy holidays and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks to all of you guys for doing that. It really is because of you that I'm back in 2007, and I'm going to keep going. And it's it's again it's because of you guys. It's because of the feedback you give me, and it's because you know you you all are finding this helpful. And I just, I love doing it. And um, so I'm glad that, glad that you're still listening. And we've got a lot of good stuff to get to this year. So I hope you all had a great holiday, a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and a Happy New Year's. And I'll catch you all next week. This has been Episode 43 of Linux Reality. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.